All right. Super. I can always stitch these together a little more closely later. But for now, it is a special edition of Super High Sci-Fi. This episode has no number because it needs no number. I'm here with last week's special guest, Matt. A little bit of a different... Hello, Matt. Uh, Matt's joining us from Florida. We're having a little bit of a different conversation today. We're going to talk about video games, which is maybe not something brand new to the podcast, but Matt and I are going to talk about a specific series of games today. Uh, Matt, would you like to introduce what we're going to talk about? Yes, Clark. We are going to be talking about my second favorite uh, series of games ever made, which is the Fallout series. So I believe we are going to be covering... Now, I group my series together, so once a game gets beyond a certain numerical value, it just becomes a series. Grand Theft Auto is number one, Fallout is number two, Mm -hmm. and so forth. But that's not the conversation we're having today. Uh, So as far as I know, we are going to be talking about the glory that is three, New Vegas, since those seem to be our favorites. And maybe mm-hmm. just take the pisser out of Fallout Four for a while. <laughs> you know, kick it, kick it. Yeah, kick it yeah. Down. Um, uh, Fallout Four doesn't need any help getting kick lots down. If anybody listening has paid attention to video games and you're a real video games person, Fallout Four might have rubbed you the wrong way a little bit. It rubs everyone. Certainly, rubbed Matt and I uncomfortably wrong. Right. <laughs> Catholic summer camp. Wrong. Yes, and we'll get. We'll get to why that is. Um, I do want to talk about 3 and New Vegas, but first I just want to kind of briefly step back and to ask you, Matt, what's your history with the Fallout franchise? When did you get into it? When did you first see it? Like, what's your first exposure? So, uh, sorry, my computer just did something weird. Okay, I'm back. Um, So, my honestly, my first foray into Fallout just by itself would have to be 3, I remember playing with my friends on the uh, Bird's Eye View original one and two, but I've never been a big fan of games that have that perspective. Uh, So I usually skip those games, (laughs) even though I understand. So you didn't really, you don't like the isometric RPG like Diablo? I mean, I've I've played it. Don't get me wrong. I went through that phase in my life when I went to land parties and played Diablo. And I, I was, but it was never my like favorite thing, you know. Like I always wanted this to be more like what happened with three. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of coincidental with my other favorite series because if you remember, Grand Theft Auto switched to a three-dimensional first-person kind, or not for third-person. I mean, um, uh, view with three. So Fallout three, Grand Theft Auto three. You know, it's it's. These are my jam back in the day. So, um, but yeah, so I, I really knew the series from Fallout Three onward, and I've played a few of the DLCs. Um, I can't remember which. I can't remember off the top of my head. You've played all of them? No, 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 not all of them. No, 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 no. I've only played the DLCs for three, and I started the DLC. Um, money, money maker was that it for uh, New Vegas? But I never finished that one because I had to sell my 360 because I wanted a PlayStation 4. Yeah, <laughs> dead money. Dead money. That was it. Oh god, I didn't forget that. Uh, yeah. 
So, so yeah. So basically, my whole premise of the yeah. games is the actual games, uh, not the DLCs. I I prefer to keep it uh, pristine, you know. Uh, even though the DLCs have been fun, uh, most of my knowledge is kept within the original games as they were presented to us. Uh, except, yeah. Okay. Um. To give you a thumbnail sketch of, of my, my history of Fallout, I played 1 and 2 when they were on, um, not when they first came out, but I remember buying them at the used bookstore when I was a kid, the Macintosh versions, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time because I think I was too young to get it, which is something I want to come back to, of what Fallout's story kind of is and why I don't think that it's something that younger mm-hmm. people would fully understand, really. Uh, but I played one, two, Tactics, which was weird. Then I also played the leak of Van Buren, which was an interesting kind of hybrid of Fallout 2 and what became Fallout 3. How familiar are you with the Van Buren project? Um, not very, but it rings a bell, so... Um. It was something that... Uh, I'm going to say not very, right now. Who was behind it? Who... I don't know which Fallout personality was behind it, but basically Van Buren was an attempt to take the success of something like, uh, well, Fallout 2 and bring it into the, bring it a new one, and have a new, a new thing in the 3D era. And it never got finished, so it doesn't really count as a game. But uh, that's my exposure to Fallout because I didn't actually play 3 when it came out, and I didn't actually play New Vegas when it came out. I played them after Steam had them on sale for $5 with all the DLC. (laughs) So I came pretty late to the party, really. Um, Yeah, Yeah. no, no. I I bought... I I waited in line for three. And by line, I meant I walked into the store and bought it. Yeah. There were... It really wasn't a line, but I always no, like to make it sound like I waited in line. <laughs> right. <laughs> line for it. I think I even got there, like, I, I bought it at, like, uh, a 24-hour Target, maybe? And, like, I actually was like, so where's the line for Fallout? He's like, here's the game. Have a good time. Uh, <laughs> so I must have just gotten lucky there. Uh, but, yeah, and I bought New Vegas day of, day one. Um and I can remember, oh man, I can just remember that first scene in New Vegas being Doc Mitchell. Oh, that, actually, no, no, first is that uh, opening cut of the courier scene, the activity that gets him into the story. But, uh, yeah, I. Yes, yeah, seeing uh, Benny yeah. and the great con gang, and they shoot you and yeah. bury you, but you don't We're doing die. spoilers, right? I'm, I'm guessing we're doing spoilers, because everybody who will be listening to this has either played or doesn't give a crap. Um, I mean, yeah, spoilers here, but I mean, also, just the protagonist of the game survives the opening cutscene, like... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I get it, I mean, but you never know, you never know, like, you know, they could just pull All a right. fast one on you and go, like, here's your... All right, fair enough. Fair um, enough. But, we're we're doing spoilers, so that's that's uh, the you saw the beginning of of New Vegas, and I remember seeing that too, where the zooms into the strip and the um, NCR riot gear guy with a sniper rifle shooting people. Yep, yep, yep. And I was yep. with 
my I, I got it and I was in my dorm room or not my dorm my apartment because it was 2010. Yeah. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I remember looking over at her and going, "Be like, I am sorry, you will not be seeing me for a while." <laughs> so. Uh, right, a big time sink is coming up now. Yeah, which you know that that's a whole other story. But yeah, that oh man, the amount of time. I think I would have at least pulled a three point two GPA in my final year if I would have not gone Vegas. Because uh, <laughs> like that's all I did that last semester, I think. Because like this came out. Oh no, this came out in October, so this was would have been uh, the first. But yeah, but anyway, what I'm saying is that yeah, I. I spent way too much time on this game. I loved it. And as I was telling Clark before we started recording, I didn't really realize how old this game was because I was still playing New Vegas up until the PS4 came out. Like, I was still, like, just going around and finding stuff and, like, you know, playing different factions against each other, like, trying to see what, what I can do with this, how much can I can do with that. So, like, mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that, like, so many that I had this this game, uh, and it was such a big part of my life for so long. Um, until we started, I said until I started doing research because I wanted to refresh myself. And unfortunately, I don't have my gaming system on the road with me, um, so I <laughs> I didn't get a chance to to play, which is good because I actually have to do work on this trip. So. Uh, and I know it would just be another time suck. And unlike my ex-girlfriend, my boss would not accept that excuse. So you're not going to see me for a while. <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's depressing, Matt, I guess. <laughs> No, I'm I'm just kidding. It's not depressing at all. But I was looking at my Steam hours here while you were mentioning the time sink. Yeah. So for Fallout 3, I got 30 hours in there, so just enough time to complete everything a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fallout 4, uh, I'm clocking in at 226. Oh, you want... New Ve- you, got, you, you, play, you played less Fallout 4 than I did. Oh, my God. I wrote down my time, and then, time sink before I left Cincinnati, and I played exactly... Five hours. <laughs> new Vegas. Like got- my New Vegas time is over 600 hours. <laughs> so it's safe to say New Vegas is my favorite. And we'll get into that. We'll get to why that's uh, your favorite. But I want to talk about the series because, uh, for example, Justin, who is now uh, not dead anymore. I've just talked to him today. Oh, Justin is not, not a fan of Fallout. Yeah, Justin's not dead. But he's not a fan of Fallout either. He's not... Um, he says he likes the universe and he likes the lore and thinks it's very well done, but he's not a fan of the games themselves. So now, I can kind of see that. So we're going to kill him again. I can kind of see where he's coming from. <laughs> yes, we're going to kill him again. He's, he's going to pay for that transgression. I can kind of see where he's coming from from the perspective of, like, it's, you know, the big criticism of Fallout 3 at the time was it's oblivion with guns, right? It's not going to play any differently than, than oblivion, just you have a gun. So it's like you're shooting ranged attacks all the time. Yeah, I, was, I didn't really find that to be the case. No, neither did I. Uh, and I always got really upset with my friends with because I had friends who were huge into Oblivion. Like, like they never touched Fallout because of that whole concept that it was just Oblivion with guns. And I didn't touch Oblivion. I mean, I did play Oblivion for a little bit, but it was not like I said. I wanted to shoot things. I want things to blow up. I love the 1950s 
So <laughs> I was not down for magical right. elves and, you know, cat people selling me things on the outside of cities. You know, I, yeah. So I always, I always call uh, Oblivion Fallout Without Guns. Uh, <laughs> Which I think is a fair description because, you know, one of the things that actually got me to try Fallout was that Oblivion came out, and in my opinion, it kind of sucked because I was a big Morrowind guy. Yeah. And I thought, wow, what, what really attracted me to Morrowind? Because it certainly wasn't always the gameplay because it was kind of clunky and it was all math-based, so you could swing a sword 100 times and hit somebody none. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was appealing to me in Fallout because I thought, wow, what an interesting concept that, like, Post-World War II, there were some social changes that didn't happen here in our world, but it had a very kind of plausible idea behind it that, okay, so nuclear, the nuclear meme basically kind of became the foundation for energy, weapons. It made its way into life more. Technology didn't become miniaturized like to the degree it did for us, so there's still cathode ray tubes and transistors and everything. But... On the on those two assumptions, you know, I think it's safe to say that they built a really a world, a world that actually follows those rules pretty well, and that's what I think makes it compelling. Yeah. Now, Clark, I'm gonna drop some uh, some knowledge on you here for a second. Do you do you remember a game that came out in 2002 or three called Iron Storm? Okay. It was ah. Uh, it was horrible in the sense that it was a it was a mess, a programmable mess. But that but I I still I still think of that game. I love that game, and even though it was like pretty much unbeatable, it was I believe that was the the forefather to why Fallout really resonated with me. Uh, do you remember that game? Sorry, I kept talking. I didn't get your answer. <laughs> it looks. You know, I'm looking at a screenshot of it, and it looks familiar, but at the same time, I keep thinking it looks like Stalker, too. Yeah, okay, so, okay, so, good, That's, so, you'll understand where I'm coming from. So, let me just give a little background to those who don't want to go to Wikipedia and type in Iron Storm. Uh, it's basically a game that takes place in 1964. It's the 50th anniversary of World War One. World War One never ended. So, imagine a time when we have, where we should have all this progress and all these new, better weaponry, on top of the fact that we're fighting with old weaponry. And it's a mixed match of the two. And I saw a lot of similarities when I first picked up Fallout 3, because I didn't really know what Fallout 3 was when I first got it, because my friends weren't right. really into it. But I saw it and thought, this looks like Iron Storm. Maybe it's really better than Iron Storm. And it was. But uh, but yeah, that was that's the kind of game, like that whole... Not post-apocalyptic, but that whole war front. Everything's destroyed, but we have modern technology, but we're still fighting, and so everything's still destroyed, and everything's... So it's like this weird progression of mankind's uh, achievements. Uh, I mean, do you find it strange that there's a crossover between some of the Fallout guys and some of the Bioshock guys? No, not at all. I, because what you're saying is, to me, you know, World War One to the 60s, whatever, the, what would the changes be there? And to me, I instantly think of Bioshock, another series of games that really kind of sells you their world, perhaps the new ones less or so than the first one, but they came up with a couple consistent ideas that there's a, you know, in the first one, there's a fabulously wealthy dude named Andrew Ryan who wants to 
builds something at the bottom of the sea, and he finds out how to use, I think it was like anti-gravity or some shit to keep it down there and everything. Yeah. So if you accept that premise, you just work off that those are the two basic rules of your universe. They built, again, a really awesome, compelling story. And the reason I keep revisiting this point is because we're eventually going to get to talk about Fallout 4, and <laughs> as you might imagine, I don't find that to be an awesome or compelling story that's based on any rules. Um, yeah, my, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that, because my issues with Fallout 4 are actually not really story-based, but uh, mechanics. Really? Yeah, mecha- but we'll get to that. Let's not, let's, let's, okay, let's, cool. let's tease everybody for a bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Let's get their dicks hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> why don't, since you have so many hours into this, why don't we get you started, and I'll chime in as needed, sure. and so forth. So you want me to start with Fallout 3 then? Yeah, let's go Let's go there. Okay, so when I first played Fallout 3, it blew my mind. I can remember very specifically opening the vault for the first time and having the now classic 3D Fallout, you know, I walked out of the bunker the first time and it's really bright effect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, fuck me. Like, this is really different. And then there was immediately, like, this town with an eyesight, and I thought, holy shit, there's already a settlement. Like, this isn't, I don't even have to go anywhere. This is great. It has a little aircraft engine that opens the door and everything, and I was like, fuck yeah, this feels like people built it out of scrap. Great. A a plane crashed here. Maybe it was the plane that dropped the bomb. Like, all that stuff was really, like, I don't new to me. Mm -hmm. So I really, I liked the beginning of the story so much because it was a totally new environment, no NCR, uh, you know, no boneyard, no politics with the gunrunners, none of that shit from one and two. It was like psh, going to DC, totally different world. Mm-hmm. And I first played the, the game of the year edition. So I had the experience of, of being able to play through several of the DLCs without finishing the main story. Oh, lucky guy. Which I... Uh, Right, which I think in some ways like set my expectations up in a certain way that made me go like, well, that was pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, went, uh, I went in to the, uh, the Broken... Not Broken Steel. Um, the one where you're training to... Operation Anchorage, the one where you're training to retake Alaska. Yeah. Went in, played that, was like, oh my god, cool. I got power armor out of this. That was awesome. Wonderful. Then I went to, I was exploring the north and found the guy who goes to the pit up to Pittsburgh for that thing. Yep. And I thought, oh my God, what it's a it's a totally new environment. They have all these those creepy troglodyte things that are in the scrapyard. And you have to basically sneak around through this irradiated, destroyed uh, steel factory. I guess it's the part of Pittsburgh that survived. <coughs> and it's just a horrible place. And that was cool yeah. to me the first time, really was like, wow. Go ahead. Oh, so go ahead. Oh, I, I, it a little past, but when you said, uh, you know, the irradiated steel factory that is Pittsburgh, I couldn't tell if you were making fun of Pittsburgh or talking about the game. Uh, so, sorry. I just, oh. <laughs> this is like, you know, being from... I mean, we'll have to wait for Fallout. We're going to have to wait for the next one. Apparently the next one's going to be in Detroit, so we'll see. Oh, my God. So we can talk about how how realistic that is. Oh, that's gonna be um, anyway, sorry. Hopefully, there's RoboCop armor, but anyway. 
so I was in playing through the DLC and experiencing it for the first time. It's like, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great. And I finally played my way all the way through the swamp hillbillies, all that weird shit. The people who are worshipping the brain in the jar because they don't understand that it's just a fucking brain in a jar. All really fun stuff. And then I got to the very end when it's like, um, Liam Neeson's your dad, so I blew up the town the first time because I didn't know what I was doing with the bomb. I rolled the dice and I didn't get the hard six, as Admiral Adama would say, so I killed them all. But it's treated for some reason. I guess this was one of the things they might have fixed in the unofficial patch. It was treated like it was I had done the ten penny quest, like I had done it on purpose. And Liam Neeson's just like, I, son, I've heard some things about you. Did you really blow up a town? And the, one of the responses is like, yeah, I blew up a town. Whatever, dad. Like, fuck you. And then he just goes, I'm disappointed in you, son, but I always love you. You should know that. And then that's the end of it. Like, your son just fucking nuked a bunch of people. And it's, yeah, I'm disappointed in you, Junior. Don't you do that again. <laughs> But I thought this was all intentional at the time. Like, wow, I didn't that... maybe realize there was a bug involved. So to me, it was like. <laughs> I mean, it kind of goes I with the like, humor. This is kind of jarring. Way. Liam Neeson. That's why I couldn't tell. Because, uh, like, the beginning quiz, like, do you replace yeah. Mr. Abernathy's heart medicine with sugar pills or something? Like, I thought maybe they were making a joke or maybe it was a bug later. But I didn't understand at the time that it was just. I thought that it was intentional. So I was like, this is fucking stupid. This is a weak character. Man, am I pissed. And then it got even worse for me in that respect because you're confronted with the situation at the end where you have to go into the chamber again that killed Liam Neeson by radiation ODing him. And you Mm -hmm. have to put in the thing to save the world. But I found out later that if you did not have a certain DLC installed you could not have any other choice but to enter the chamber, get killed, and trigger the final cutscene, and the game was over, and you didn't really get to resume or do anything after. And I thought, wow, this is such a, a weak conclusion now because you're forced into this funnel where even if you bring, if you didn't have the DLC and you brought a guy who is immune to radiation, who walks through the only other lethal area in the game, like, and he says, oh no, this is your path, this is your destiny, which to me is like the writers realizing at the last minute, like, fuck, we didn't really do that right. Get that guy back in here to record this line, and you program it to be a loop. And I was like, fuck this. This is garbage. Like, I don't get any control over the outcome here. It's just like either suicide into the radiation chamber or just sit there while everyone's, like, tapping their feet, and I can't leave because it's like you're in the final destiny zone. And then I was like, this game is kind of weak. The story really let me down in the end. See, I think that's why I never really got into the DLCs. Was because I played Operation Anchorage, which was fun. And I just... I thought, okay, and then they released the pit. And I don't know exactly why I never really got into it. But I think it was just more of like, I, I knew... I had a feeling. I had a gut feeling. Um that it was going to go somewhere that I didn't want to go. So <laughs> um, the same feeling I got okay. before. Again, we'll get to that in a sec. We'll get, we'll get to that. Um, but would you, in yeah. hindsight, now that you've had, uh, would you play it again, though? Like, if you could, if you could go through it all over again, 
Would you? You mean if I could install it right now and play through it? Yeah, like just. I mean, I know it's, it's it doesn't sound so foreboding because you could just install it right now. But um, you know, would you want to relive all those issues? Was it worth playing, even though you had all those problems? And I think the answer is yes. I th- uh, I think the answer is yes as well. I think that it's a. I mean, you can bitch about the updates to the Bethesda Quest system where they have everything compass marked and shit, but to be honest, as long as they're as long as they were as open to mods as they were for Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas, that's not really an issue for me because you can just take that out because so many people hate it. They're just going to make a mod the second day. Yeah. So I think it's worth playing through certainly because it really it effectively brought uh, Fallout Three. To or Fallout generally to 3D had a pretty good quest system, and it took you through a lot of experiences the first time. But I think that the weakness that I see in it is that if I go back and play it again, which I have, it's like, huh, okay, I can now see all the different funnel points here, and there's only two each time, and that's kind of annoying because there's only really one in the end. It's shaped like a diamond. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I got when I when I reloaded. Three, I started playing it again a couple of weeks ago when we first had this idea of doing this a little podcast of ours. Uh, that uh, after a few missions, I was like, okay, so then I'm going to do this, 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 then go over here, do this and this, then go back over here, do this and this, and now I'm done the game. Right. Like it, it, I, rem- I remembered the formula. Like I, it was kind of like remembering up, down, left, right, you know, the, the passcode from all weapons in Grand Theft Auto, just muscle memory, which kind of bones me out, and I kind of wasn't being surprised by, by 3, but then again, that, I think that's a sign of a good game, though, you know, when you can sit down and be like, yeah, I can replay this whole thing in my head now. <laughs> and, uh, and I think uh, one note that you haven't mentioned is the DC landscape. Uh, I don't know how much familiar you are with D.C., but I have family in D.C., and so I spent a lot of time in those areas of the game and hated spending time in the real-world D.C. So the idea of me being able to shoot and blow up parts of D.C., uh, I just realized saying that out loud might get me in trouble for the NSA, but, you know, it's uh, uh, it, 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 it was one of my favorite aspects of the whole game. Just being able to say, oh, I'm in Silver Springs, and then go and blow everything up. Or when I was in the Brotherhood of Steel, and be standing in the metro stations. And uh, yeah, that, that stuff, I love that stuff about 3. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. I like the, uh, the stuff about 3. I like that all that stuff as well, the same as you. Uh, I, yeah. I also appreciated the alternate history and the lengths they went to to flesh out their universe again by having like, okay, here's what the Smithsonian sort of museums, the Natural History Museum and the the Government Museum and the White House and all that shit. Here's what like the informational sections of these would say in this reality with all of these weird things. Yeah, and that was the crazy part was how like it wasn't just this outer layer, this delicious crust of post-apocalyptic goodness. There was fruit. There were seeds to this. I'm doing a really bad analogy. Yes. Um, but, you know, like, it, there was so, it, it went so deep. And even to this day, like, I, um, 
I can think about some of the lore, yeah. you know, that, that the fans created that wasn't in the game, but I still wish was because it was such a another take on something because they put put so much effort into getting that story right that when fans created their own little fan fictions, you were like, man, I wanted that to exist. And you almost believed it did because there was just so much material out there to use. Did you read Fallout fan fiction, Matt? Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, at least, um, hmm. uh, shit. Uh, I plead the fifth. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's good, because that's a capital offense here. I'm lonely. You know, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I I read a few, um, especially uh, the really freaky ones. There was one about a cannibal eating children in the in the in the mountain ranges, uh, and there was one. There's a lot more with uh, New Vegas. Yeah, because a lot of fans went ape shit with Caesar. Like, oh, it, you. You could spend your you could spend a whole like I've seen some of the the excerpts from the hardcore gay Caesar ones posted to 4chan and they are very very in depth and well researched. So how about so why don't throw this into the pot? Sure. Not knowing that they're hardcore gay fanfic, thinking it's just regular fanfic, and you start reading it, and then you get to those scenes naturally, and you're like, oh, oh. Turn the page. Oh, well, here's my, this is not what my, my situation. There is a I, I seek that out in mods though, because I'm all about changing the actual experience. Like I don't even want to imagine like if I'm a member of the Brotherhood of Steel, why can't I convince Mister House not to make me kill them? What the fuck? Like why can't I do that if I maxed out all of my charisma and speech and everything? If I put the work in to get the stats and get the membership and everything, I should be able to have this option because it was planned for development. And left on the drawing board. So I guess I could read a fan fiction about how that happened, but I would be more inclined to, to go and just get a mod that has the restored quest tree. So that's basically what I did. Yeah, but that when you played this only through consoles, sure, <laughs> I know you had the you had the you had a you know. Uh, so this, this is another great. This is a great moment though, because this is going to lay part of our discussion for Fallout Four, which is. The big deal of we we brought DLC to the consoles, so you fucking peasants can now have a you can change things. Look at this, Clark. Have you ever been? Have you ever wanted something so bad, so bad, and when you get it, and you're just like, "What? This is what I wanted. I didn't want this. That's Fallout Four <laughs> for for console players." Like, when I heard DLCs, I was like, or mods, I was like, oh, I, can, I can finally be like my all my friends who play on the computer. And then, like, I sit down and play it, and I'm like, no, I don't, I, no, take this away. Can I have my console version back, please? Uh, like, Is that because oh, the options sucked, or the experience sucked, or what? Oh, the experience. Well, both. Well, options and experience, because, uh, wait, are we ready to jump into four? Because I, I feel like I'm... I've, I've been itching to talk about four for too long, and I, I feel like I'm pushing it. I mean, let's if we want to pause here, we can revisit this point after we discuss New Vegas. Is I think it it does bear sense to talk chronologically. Right, right, okay. So yeah, let's let's put a pause on this and put a cork in this little comment. 
Um, I'm going to write a little note to myself so I remember where I was going. Yes, okay, please. That. And um, oh, why does my computer hate me today? Okay. Uh, sorry, listeners, you're listening to me yell at, talk to my computer as if it's a person. Um, no, that's cool. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, okay. So let's go back to let's go back to New Vegas. Let's let's get back into the chronological. Um, so should we start with the opening scene and talk about how we felt about that again? I think we covered that pretty well. I think we can go straight to Doc Mitchell at this point. Um, okay. So you wake up. Spoiler I, after I you get shot. You, Mister Six Hundred Hours, or Three Hundred. Yeah. Um, so you get shot. Wake up. Uh, which, by the way, a, I just want you to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a great article written about Fallout New Vegas when it was released. I remember reading where it was the first sentence was, you start off dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I think is a hilarious concept that was picked up in some of the fanfics. The idea that the courier was just a zombie the entire time. But anyway, so yeah, you, you wake up, you're talking to Doc Mitch, and you go through his little test of bears giving high fives and uh, the, to set your parameters and give you your stats. And then, does he give you a mission, or are you then free to walk? I can't, like I said, I don't have my copy in front of me, I can't sit here and play along, so... Uh, you wake up, you decide your appearance, you decide your name, you go do a, like the strength that, tester yeah, and you pick your special points, yeah. then you pick any traits you're going to get by doing a personality test, I think, and then after that, Doc Mitchell says, well, why don't you head down to the, to the saloon and talk to What's-Her-Face, and that's like the training quest and shit. Okay, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so then, and then, so then you walk out into this world, and uh, yeah, so uh, walk us through it, Clark. Let's, 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 what did you think about how this game began? How, what did you think of that whole, the, the whole uh, mechanism to choosing your character's stats and uh, just developing your character? Did you, did you enjoy that in this version? Yes, I liked it a lot compared to 3. Because it went so quickly, mm-hmm. and there was the internal story yeah. to it was like thirty seconds plus the cutscene. If you want, if you watched it at the beginning, <laughs> so to me, it's like, damn, that was good. And also because it was so short, I didn't feel like weird because I did kind of feel weird playing three again when I realized that no matter what you do, one of the security officers is hostile to you, and if you encounter him in the wrong spot, you have to kill the overseer, and it's just like, now your character murdered the girl, the, your best friend's dad, and he's an asshole, because this narrative had to be constructed for you to pick your fucking stats and appearance. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> a lot, yeah. it's, a, it's a, a rather important choice if you're gonna be like a, if you're gonna worry about the morals and be a role player or whatever. I think that kind of ruined that for a lot of people if they're forced into taking on that characteristic. But much like that kid in Holden Caulfield's book there, I digress. <laughs> uh, yeah, I honestly, I, I was just impressed on how smooth and how quickly you went through that whole process. 
and how you were then just kind of like, and I, and I remember when I leave Doc Mitchell's place for the first time, excuse me, uh, and you walk out and you come to like a, a fork in the road and you see a little Sputnik guy float by broadcasting the radio signal and I think I stood at that spot for like maybe 10 minutes just standing and looking at the game and just realizing that I'm about to have so much fun <laughs> um, you know cause looking the music, at the Mojave yeah with the music playing you know and uh, finding the radio station first in Good Springs um, and uh, see now I keep talking about it I just want to play it it's so hard to pl- talk about this game and not want to just like you know play it <laughs> um, but yeah so I uh, it, so then you go right. from then you go from Good Springs and next is oh he does give you some quests if I remember correctly so there are some quests you can do um, and then you go. Then there's that school full of uh, ghouls uh, over the ridge, heading towards New Vegas. Uh, let me let me tell you, Matt, what the strength of yeah. that is to me, though, is that if you walk out of Doc Mitchell's house and you don't give a fuck about what happens in Good Springs, you can just walk out of there. Walk past the Powder Ganger guys. Powder Ganger. Keep going out of town. Yeah. Keep going out of town. Go do the main quest, or you can go north if you're a psychopath and you can navigate your way through the Death Claws in the area where... Okay, here's another thing I liked about New Vegas that I have to bring up now because the Deathclaw area at the beginning always killed you no matter what you did because it was too strong and you had to be a, a super. Yeah, and I remember it. it took me so many lives to realize that. I thought, you know, to quote Einstein, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's called insanity. I did that. I would just keep walking into that pit, be like, I'm going to get him this time. Die. Okay, let's, let's do it again. Die. Okay, no, no. I'm going to do it this time. Die. <laughs> and just never learning. Uh, and that, to me, is beautiful because if you do make it up there, you can uh, just go straight into the, the Lucky 38 and talk or, to Mr. House. Or <clears throat> you don't even have to talk to him. You can go talk to Benny and go to talk to Caesar and talk to Mr. House in the bunker for the first time. Like, there's this element of openness to it and that there's certain areas that you have to avoid and you have to level and go around and plan a little bit. And that's another thing that bugged me in, in comparison to 3 is that in 3, by the time you had gotten very high and level and gotten good equipment, suddenly everybody else has rocket launchers and, like, power armor and shit. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what did you? What did I put all this in for if now, like, I, it, the scaling really bothered me. I do not like the level scaling, mm-hmm. personally. What's your opinion on level scaling, um, Matt? I can take it or leave it. I... I Sometimes it's needed. I, I agree that, but for a whole game to be level scaling, or like it's like a hold your hand. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna learn this. You're gonna learn that. You're gonna come back to do this. Um, that's where I, I I'm like, okay, I'm an adult. I bought this game. By <coughs> Let me do my thing. But I think the Fallout, the, the Fallout taking that away. 
was really the best decision they made when they made New Vegas because, I mean, I had friends who, quote, unquote, beat the game by just going in one direction and figuring the whole story out with missing all of this minutia that was in the middle, you know? And then I had friends who, like me, people like me, who went into the minutia. I wanted those, I wanted every little detail. I wanted to know what happened. I wanted to meet everybody. I wanted to fire every gun. Uh, and I think if they had any type of level structure, we wouldn't be talking about this game. You know, I think we would just be bitching on four again. <laughs> so. But New Vegas does have a level structure. Shit. What am I thinking of then? Uh, yeah. You're thinking of three had no level structure. Three was scaling. New Vegas had level structures because they had recommendations for levels on, like, which you had to be said oh. recommended, like, 25 to do dead money. Oh, God. I'm so embarrassed that I got to, I, I did that. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. You're going to edit all that out, right? Um. <laughs> no, man. So... <laughs> <laughs> sitting here talking about three when I well, I mean okay so, so that that enormous factual fuck up aside yeah um, what did you play the DLCs of New Vegas what's your opinion on the DLC because I want to talk about the DLC before we talk about the main story because the DLC and the main story are really written for each other the DLCs are written around the main story I did not, but remember in the beginning I said I only played the DLCs for, uh, hold on, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to double check before I open my mouth again, because clearly I'm getting confused. This is normal, everybody. Matt is confused. If you wanted non-confusion, you should wait for another host. Um, let's see. Yeah, yes, okay, yeah. I did not play these DLCs. I have experience with them in the sense that I have friends who had it, so I played a little bit here and there, but personally did not own these. Um, so that's where I am on this. Um, I think Dead Money is the one I have the most knowledge okay. of. Okay. Um, since that was the first one, right? Because Honest Hearts came next. And... Yes, they went backwards. The storyline, right? Yeah, they went backwards. Yes, in terms like of in the story that story happened. Story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in and terms then there of was, the, uh, the release. World, yeah. Yes, in terms of the release date. Yes. Okay. And then so the Lonesome be Road was actually set more. in the most recent because it... Okay. Um... So to take you through the main story briefly, there is Las Vegas, which was largely spared from the nuclear war. So it's the most intact city anybody's ever seen, which, again, is not saying much, which is a brilliant thing. That's still kind of just like a little two city blocks like this is the best we've got. Um, but it's New Vegas is largely independent. They control the Hoover Dam up until when the new California Republic shows up and takes over the Hoover Dam 
And uh, they fight it out with the guy who runs New Vegas, a guy called Mr. House, who was a pre-war kind of Steve Jobs type guy who has an invincible army of robot security robot things that are sufficient to make New Vegas kind of a little fortress city. So the NCR and him make a deal where the NCR can come into the strip and gamble and use it and everything, and in return, the Hoover Dam gives Mr. House all the electricity he needs. So there's already these two people fighting over a natural resource, what else is new? Um, And they now bring in this third faction called Caesar's Legion, who come from the east. And their whole deal is that they try to pretend to be Rome. So they have slave armies and centurions Mm -hmm. and all that shit. They're, the guy who leads them is a very educated man who has dressed himself up in the myth of Caesar to give structure to all of the little fragmented tribes he's absorbed. Yeah. Which, again, I think is a really smart story point that you have a character use their knowledge to exploit it. And if you are, if you, the thing I love about New Vegas is there's the speech checks that are back and there's the, the trait checks, like the special points checks. So if you're smart enough, you can actually talk with Caesar about what a fraud he is because your character's smart enough to know history too. And he's just like openly admits like, yeah, of course, like that's what I'm doing. That's, that's the whole fucking point is that I'm trying to make these idiots follow me. Yeah. And that's, which yeah, I love. Oh man. I loved all that. And I didn't, uh, were you, uh, I was more fond of the new California Republic. Um, than Caesar, but I did love, I mean, as you know, from uh, Latin days and everything like that. I mean, you took Latin, right? So. Yes, I took Latin. Yeah, so we all have that deep, deep love for that Roman shit. So, um, but yeah, that was so clever, being able to, like, convince the main guy, one of the main guys in the story that you know more than he does and that you could manipulate it to that point. Um, oh, just, it was just, it, it made what new, it, it, it's the reason why we're talking about this game now, I think, is, is the concept that you have this ability to change the game on a whim and, and see a whole new side of the game. Yes. And really, if you play it right and you level yourself up, you can do things in, game and talk to people in a different way like i remember there was there was some you could tell like you could have your own legion at one point or you could have your own little security force and then uh decide if you really need them or not and i think i kind of just left them in a village by themselves at one point um yeah uh, yeah and uh so yeah so we were on so so sorry, it's, I, i'm rambling on about and we were on the main story of New Vegas. So the whole idea of New Vegas is now there's this tension set up because Caesar's Legion, like six or eight years ago or something, attacked the NCR on the Hoover Dam, and the NCR barely fought them off, and Caesar's Legion has been camped out there ever since, gathering their strength, trying to take it, take the Hoover Dam, take yeah. New Vegas, and destroy it. So there's kind of this uneasy alliance where Mr. House and the NCR recognize that their mutual enemy is Caesar. Yeah. But at the same time, Mr. House absolutely wants to run his own show and does not want the, the corrupt government of the NCR fucking up his little libertarian paradise. But the NCR is the biggest... Yeah. Sorry, to go back, you made a comment earlier calling Mr. House a post-apocalypse Steve Jobs. 
And I think that's a little unfair because I think he, if you read into that storyline of him being, of trying to create a libertarian paradise or uh, a libertine paradise, I would say more likely in New Vegas, that is so Howard Hughes. And that like, leave me alone. The government yes, that's should true. not be messing with me. Especially um, when you find so, him in his little yeah, survival just, pod in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is a great thing by itself because you're like you, you you want you're expecting uh, comparing because like he's this game's Andrew Ryan and so to walk down and see him in this little pod and you meet his little sex slave bots and everything you're just like oh this was once a great man what happened <laughs> you know. But, I mean, you, you know that because you've played the game. Uh, so, anyway, sorry, Clark. I, but for those of us who haven't, yeah. you, you, if you haven't played it, you're going to wonder that. that yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, but, so, Mr. House, it's very interesting because Mr. House doesn't want to be taken over by anybody, but the NCR is kind of gradually increasing the pressure. And Mr. House even says, like, if the NCR really wanted to take me out and kill Caesar and destroy the Legion, they could, but... They're all so corrupt and pathetic that they would don't want to pay the price politically. They don't want somebody to run against them and say, he got people killed in a war or whatever. So it's all the problems of pre-war America have resurged. So Mr. House is like, I'm too smart for this. I figured out how to play the thing. And the cool part is that you, as the, the character, now get to decide, well, do I want, you know, do I like the NCR? Do I like Mr. House? Do I like Caesar's Legion, or do I want to go my own way and just, you know, take them all out, and then I run New Vegas? Like, what... The ways that you can make that happen, like the different um, casinos on the Strip are populated by different groups of people who Mr. House basically picked up as tribes and told them, like, here's how you're going to live now. You're going to pretend to be gangsters, or you're going to pretend to be society people, for whatever reason. To populate the casinos to make it like it was back before the war, so I guess it would be more attractive to making more money or whatever. Cool stuff anyway, but you can, there's a little sub-story with all three different casino groups. Like You can influence, like you can uncover little subplots in there. You can ultimately eliminate them, or you can leave them in place. You know, one of them's plotting to try to kill Mr. House, and they're smuggling weapons in through the, the corrupt NCR guys. There's just this sense that the region is like a powder keg, ready to explode, and then you're just... You, somebody hands you a blowtorch, and it's just like you can choose how you're going to set it off. But ultimately, it, it just... it's To me, it, it gives you a great feeling in the atmosphere that this is a it's a, a war is about to happen. Like something's about to happen. Something's about to go down. You know, you get that hair on on the back of your neck up feeling, but you don't know what it is. And then throughout the story, the game's kind of like, Hey, by the way, you get to decide what it is. So whatever points you've assigned yourself, whatever traits you've gotten, whatever skills you've earned, you can then put them towards influencing the story, which is why I like it more than three, because three is like you dead, you dead son. That's it. It's over. Go home. You dead. And I think if I remember correctly, when I played through it, I was trying to keep the factions together. I was trying to like, you know, I would I would do something for NCR, do something for Caesar, go after Mr. House. I didn't really want to lay claim to the leader, but I think at the end, I yeah. with 
think I, I think well I mean I cited everybody because I played the game so often that like uh, I, I ran through all the different scenarios. But I think my first one was Caesar, the New California, then Mr. House, and I can't remember why I did it in that order, but. I think it was just the idea of being able to have my own legion in a post-apocalyptic right. world. Like, I mean, how could I not turn down that offer to be a warlord? <laughs> uh, and, it's a fair question. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great question, really. Like, why why can't we all be warlords, Clark? Why can't I be a warlord? Why can't that be a profession nowadays? Type in the monster dot com. Warlord. Search. Anyone hiring warlords. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. Um, sorry, my, I'm trying to think what my next point was going to be, but <coughs> well, um, let me get back to the DLC here. Oh, yeah, let me yeah. jump back to that. That's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> because the other minor power, if you will, the great power versus the superpowers is the Brotherhood of Steel. Yes. So they're all over. They're a common element. They're all descendants of the United States Army, so they have most of the advanced technology from the pre-war. It's far more powerful than what people in the Wasteland have, but the people in the Wasteland have numbers. The numbers are on their side. So you can convince the Brotherhood of Steel to support different outcomes and with the help of some modifications to restore the game to what it was on the drawing board, you can convince uh, them to work with any of them. You can combine all the elements in any way you want. You can combine all the factions. But what's cool is that the Brotherhood of Steel has their own little internal story where the guy who used to run it is a total fucking nutcase who has run off on a, a mad quest to find some lost pre-war technology that's the most powerful weapon the government created, which turns out to be the fog that is poisoning the Sierra Madre Casino in the Dead Money DLC that was the first one they put out. So I know you're more familiar with that than the rest of them, Matt. So Father Elijah and his plan to use the fog to take over the Mojave is kind of a really cool story thing, in my opinion, because it's like no matter what you end up doing as far as Caesar and all that shit, you know that eventually the, the creeping fog is going to envelop it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so glad we, we were talking about this because, yeah, Sierra Madre um, was that whole – because uh, do you remember how the Red Fog worked in a way? Was that when you entered, you had these holograms going around, and then you had these mutated people in their gas masks hunting the holograms? Yes. And if they saw you, they would hunt you and drag you into the Red Steam. And that at the end, the courier, you know, there was this sense that you were kind of left there because a, cur- a hologram of you was created to kind of wander the halls. And, like, I thought that was so po, Like, that was so creepy. And so, like, I, that was just such a great uh, spin-off or add-on. And I really enjoyed that whole concept of this uh, fog being the worst weapon, this unknown, this unseeable, you can't see through it, you don't know what's on the other side, uh, which is really poetic because that's the fear of nuclear weaponry in the 50s. We didn't know what we were seeing on the other side. 
We didn't know what the outcome would be using this stuff. And so I think the allegories of, of unknown weaponry is just uh, really well played out in the Dead Money DLC. Again, I've only played that one, so I could be wrong. Maybe there's better uh, instances of this in the other ones, but I just felt like this red rolling fog. And is this coffee that mean you, you want to interject? I think you want to interject or something. Interject. <laughs> hmm? <clears throat> you want to interject? You keep coughing into this. So I'm like, I'm wondering, are you trying to interject? <laughs> Oh, no, I'm trying to clear my throat. Oh, Sorry. Right, no. I'm not trying to interject. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, just because uh, what does, what uh, you know, the source material, the red fog, starting the war, the fact that this is a technology from before the war, the quote, unquote, this is a literal visual explanation of the fog of war. <laughs> You know, and that craziness of chasing something that you don't really see, holograms, and destroying everything just to keep it the way it was. Um, it, I, I, I would almost want this to be, like, this whole series could be a philosophical lecture on warfare and mankind. Um, but I digress. I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm going down a rabbit hole, I think, here, of possible... You're going down a high school English rabbit hole, man. I am. I love it. I, I really think my, my calling was to be a high, high school English student forever. Uh, <laughs> You're getting deep. But that's good. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that's the sign of a good franchise is that you can analyze it to that point and still have material to continue with. I think a really shitty franchise is one that just shows you like a linear path. Four, four. So, uh, hmm? four. Uh, let's. Let, all right. I just want to talk about the rest of the DLC. Yeah, I know. Right I know. Right. I know. I'm just. I, we keep. We keep. So eventually, right. So through the DLC, you trace Father Elijah, the crazy dude with the fog, yeah. and a guy named Ulysses through all the way, who's another courier. So, you kind of find their story out as you go through all the DLC and you start, if you play them through in the order they were released, you start by confronting Father Elijah and you end by confronting Ulysses. So you work backwards through his narrative and forward through Ulysses' narrative. Or you do the reverse. If you just play, if you want to play them in the quote-unquote story order, you would play Ulysses backwards. Either which way. You find out there's this whole story that's happening around the main narrative, but it can still influence the outcome of that main narrative, which in a way is, is kind of interesting because you can acquire skills and items there that let you do things that you would not like otherwise be able to do in the main game, which gives you some new options on how you can resolve things. It's very cool that it's, doesn't, it's not something that's necessary, but they change the mechanics in such a way that it's like you can... There's a great perk in Honest Hearts you can get that's a three-level perk, so you can do it three times. It's running faster, so you run 30-some percent faster, which is great, because now you can outrun Death Claws. Just cool stuff like that, I think, really adds to the DLC. But um, Honest Hearts is a, is a good story about Mormons, of all fucking people, 
uh, ministering to some tribes who live in Zion National Park, the like primitive Native American-ish tribes. And it has a really great backstory in there. There's a lot of little story elements. There's a kind of a lot of world building that goes on there. There's a lot of notes from like a, a survivalist who lived there after the war happened that tell you the story of the valley and how things came to be. Very good. You know, very deep in the lore. Uh, Old World Blues came next. I fucking hate that one, so I don't want to talk about it. And then uh, Lonesome Road, was it not? So we already talked about that one. You ultimately confront this guy named Ulysses who you destroyed his home inadvertently, so he blames you for that and now wants to launch the last nuclear missile, I guess, in the region and blow up the NCR and Caesar's Legion and just destroy everything. So you can, again, based on your own abilities and skills and inclinations, there's actually a safe, unmarked way to go through the conversation with him at the end where he'll stand down and say, hey, I want to help you stop this nuclear launch. I was wrong. So you don't even really have to kill the bad guy at the end if you develop the skills, which I think is a very strong story element. Your thoughts, Matt? Um... Wow, I, 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 just hearing you say all that all over again, I'm just wondering, like, this is a video game, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like this was, you know, to put that much time and effort into all these multiple lines and not having, well, I mean, there were some glitches here and there, but we'll act like it, they, they didn't exist. But to have all these multiple lines of character development leading to different possible endings based on little things that you did or little things that you caused to happen. It, I mean, I want to play this game again so bad, Clark. I just want to play it. (laughs) Matt, uh, next time you're here in the studio, I will set you up with a completely legitimate copy that runs as a OS 10 binary. Your kid, um, Clark, I love you so much, buddy. Because <laughs> uh, that's what I need in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know... So, yeah, I think it's safe now to talk about four if you want, but go ahead, what were you saying? Well, I, I, I had to look this... I looked something up while you were talking because I was curious about something. Um, you know, with Bioshock... I don't know if you you yeah. uh, delved this deep into it, but there were novels that you read that were, you're supposed to read that kind of like helped you along the way in the story or understanding deeper aspects of the story. They never did. You mean actual like physical physical actual novels? novels? Yeah, physical novels. Didn't read those. They never did that. Yeah, they did that with Bioshock. But they never did with Fallout, and. Uh, which is why I think we saw those risque Caesar fanfics. You know, like, there wasn't this uh, there wasn't this abundance of things you can go out and, and deal with your Fallout cravings when you're not playing the game. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting that there there's this great big world of all these possible story arcs, and yet there's no it's all contained within the game. There's no novels. I don't think they're saying comic books. Like, they didn't Matt. pump this out for money. <laughs> so, 
you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna find out together how to install some mods for you and you're just your life's gonna change okay i i can't wait because i really didn't know any of this because my friend like i said coming from a console world you never really think about these things you're just like okay where do i go where do i shoot you know how am i going to beat this bad guy and we're gonna get you set up with powered power armor one of the best mods out there uh, you're going to have to carry batteries to make sure your power armor works, just like Iron Man, Matt. Oh, boy. I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. Speaking of power armor mechanics, let's talk about Fallout 4. Yes. Perfect segue, because <laughs> I actually just watched the video before while I was waiting for you to sign on. I, I wanted to relive a little bit of 4. And even watching videos of people playing 4 angered me. Um. I don't know. Do you know about this YouTube series, a YouTuber, I mean, uh, called Nerd Cubed? Have you, heard, have you ever watched his videos or have you heard of him? Is that nerd to the third no. power? It's, it's, well, it's nerd three. Oh, okay. But, but, he, but he calls it like nerd cubed because the three is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter. Okay. Just making sure that we're talking. Yeah, okay. All right. Yes, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. So he has a whole series about Fallout 4 where he just builds his own fort. And when you watch him play that, you see how excited he gets and what he's doing. And when I tried doing that, I got pissed because that was my major thing I hated about Fallout 4 was that every time you did anything or touched anything, it was worth something. And not worth something in value, but worth something to you as a game mechanic. So that little screw that you passed on the road, you're going to need that two hours from now. So you better put that in your backpack. and Or that baseball cap. Do I need it? I don't know. But I should hang on to it because I could break it down for cloth. And that cloth, I could make a flag. Or that cloth, I could make a jacket, which makes no sense. So uh, do you like that or do you not like that? Oh, God, I hated that. I hated that. I hated every aspect of that. I wanted, I wanted, I didn't want to break everything down. I didn't want to have to carry everything I found. I didn't want to have to be in charge of a town, you know. I wanted to play the game. And then, after I completed the game, go back and do all those things. But the game wouldn't let you. The game, you know, you would have uh, attacks on your on your your hometown. and uh, Which you have to be present for, for some reason. Even if you have it surrounded by gun turrets, because if you're not present... It treats it like it was successful and your citizens die or something. It's horrible. Like, who thought of that? Like, because you could be on the other side of the map dealing with Yeah, it's fucking And you're like, hold on, I have to go back and deal. And, oh, just... (laughs) It angers me to this day. Like, um... And, hold on, what... And that's what... The problem I have with Fallout 4 is, is the story, though, and I think that if if we have a, a finite amount of time for our discussion today, we want to focus on our our two different objections to it. So you said, you know, you said earlier that my objection was the story, and you're correct. And your objection is the mechanics, or what? What is your well, objection? Is the story? Is Take me through why you don't like Fallout 4. Okay, Matt. why I don't like Fallout 4 is because of the mechanics of the companions and the mechanics of all the side quests. You know, it just the way it was executed, the way you had to uh, 
you know, there was this main storyline of you trying to save your baby. Uh, and But then there was all these other sidelines, and I couldn't keep it straight. Plus, it was also a fortress game where you had to build a fortress. And it was too much. It was like four different games all in one. And, you know, I never really got to be immersed in everything because it, it didn't feel as immersive as Vegas or three even. You know, it felt like tasks. Here's a task. Go do this task. Here's another task. You're going to need this stuff. Um, and, you know, it just, I didn't know what to do half the time. Even if I had the guidebook, of, you know, sitting there like following the steps, I still felt like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Uh, and then having to wear that power armor everywhere, it just like, so I was annoyed by the game as a whole. But yes, the mechanics were one of the main issues. Um, whereas I think you are more annoyed by just the story. Let me let me lay. Yeah. Let me yeah let me lay it down for you why I don't like the story and why I I think and here's the interesting thing is that I don't like the story but I also don't like the how the story almost necessitates you brushing up against those game mechanics because I also don't like those. But I guess what makes me more angry is that exactly, you're forced yes. to confront them because, to, because the story is so shitty. Find something to do because the game is so bad that you want. So you're like, okay, let me go try this, and you're like, ah, it's still no, it's not going to work. But I mean, e- even in the main quest, if you're just going to strictly follow the main quest, like you have to at some point stop and go through all the bullshit of finding every rat's ass yeah, leather to which, get yourself set up with a new piece of armor. You have to scour the universe for every piece of fucking scrap metal to get yourself, you know, a, a metal shin plate to wear with your, your leather under armor. It's like they've <laughs> taken... You're like a fucking medieval knight. You have to get yourself all dressed up and, oh, by the way, you have to find all the metal and shit yourself and then go craft it in your master craftsman house. It's like they, they took the idea of the medieval workshop shit from Skyrim that kind of made sense because people did have yeah. to tan by hand and all this bullshit back then. But in a world where there are you know still functioning robots and stuff, I really refuse to believe that people have not somehow adapted to that because you never saw that really in the previous games it was always people who were using scrap to build things because they were master tinkers it wasn't everybody knows how to melt things down in a forge and recast them into new swords or something well and also the idea that like we see a world before the explosion exactly yeah no, dude, you're right. Exactly, you're you're a house husband at the beginning of the war. Your wife is a fucking attorney, which is fine. I'm not gonna get on anybody's case about that. But wait, you chose your character as a not... man. You played as a man in Fallout Four, yeah. I played as a woman. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he was the default, so I was eager to get into the story. Uh, that makes but sense. The the idea is that. The, the house husband, yeah. which, whatever, fine, which, cool. Which didn't exist but in the 50s. It, it, <laughs> it's also means that you are definitely not the guy who's going to be out there like, well, here's how you make a, a steel sword that won't shatter while you make it true steel. Like, 
you're not that guy. And when you wake up in the vault, if you look around enough, you can just start assembling things like you're a, a fucking mad scientist, genius engineer, which is a very open world concept. Fine. Okay. But then you have to do all these things. You have to go get the car battery to make the shocker thing to be able to defeat somebody. It's all like a uh, just an endless churn of bullshit fetch quests to keep you invested while you get enough crap together to haul yourself up to the next rung in the ladder, which, spoilers, ends with the choice to either you got to blow up Boston because it's going to be the, the best for everybody. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be great. <laughs> or you have to fucking suffer the the kind of iron heel of a technocratic group of psychopaths who have a bunch of robot slaves, basically. And the son you've been missing, spoilers, is now like 70 years old because they refroze you at the beginning. So it's like a story of do you, do you have to fucking kill your own son or choose to side with people who are live-action role-playing as Minutemen from the... Revolutionary War, like it's fucking bonkers. Like, oh my god, the old oh Preston Gravy or Gravy Garvey Garvey. I always call him Gravy because he was such a slow ass mother. Um, uh, God, I hated him so much. I think to to bring up that uh, the characters real quick. uh, What was your take on Nick Valentine? Because he was the one redeeming factor for me. I I think that was the only enjoyable part of the game for me, was like his whole subplot. I, I liked Nick Valentine, but I did not like the story he had that carried him through the DLC. I don't know if you played the DLC. Yeah, I did. And no, I agree with you. It, it, it kind of was lackluster, but... You know. Because he went from being like a hard-boiled pulp detective to finding out that something about his origin into the world was horrible because you meet this other robot that was escaped with the, from the crazy robot slave people with him. And after you have this big confrontation where Nick is disgusted with himself and everything, as soon as you walk outside, he's just like, oh, raining, isn't it, kid? And puts this little fucking hat on. Like he's back to just saying the random bullshit dialogue that they endlessly spam like oh that's cool well that's pretty wow never seen that before yeah so yeah it, it there were so many elements to this game that I think by themselves would have been great and I think could have been saved and I had I had high hopes that maybe they would fix it with DLCs which they didn't um, Dude, talk about the DLCs talk about the the whole idea is that you're forced into making these fucking settlements for so long and defending them, and you got to treat them like babies and take care of them and make sure that everything's okay. And then the half of the fucking Ultimate DLC, the last one they released, uh, Nuka World, which is an admittedly pretty cool theme park kind of thing, it was the main story in that was you had to send raiders back to the colonies that you created and destroy your own settlements to advance the plot of the DLC. And it's like, what sense does this make that you forced me to build all this shit and now I have to have to tear it down to see anything beyond this plot point? Do you know anything about the development of this game? Like, did, they, did they switch anybody out? Or did they... They didn't change any developers. It was all the same. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Fallout New Vegas was developed by different people. Yeah, I know that. Fallout 3... It, okay, so but Fallout 3 is a... 
it was a Bethesda deal. New Vegas was a um, Obsidian, but published by but published by Bethesda, yeah. I think, or distributed by them, whatever. And then uh, Fallout Four was the people who did Skyrim, which is the difference. Okay, that's which is that doesn't really help, but that okay, okay, that makes okay. That's okay, and that's what I was forgetting was who I, I couldn't remember if it, if this was. Skyrim people, or if this was just straight Bethesda people, yeah. Um, so like I said, I spent very little time on this game. I got to Boston. I tried to kill the mayor when I walked into his office the first time. <laughs> like, I was just so fed up by that point. Um, so <sighs> It's a game that was sold on style over substance, I think, because it does, you know, if you have a high-end computer and you can have the RAM and graphics card and shit. It does look really nice. You can get great textures mods that make it perfect, but I think that it's sold on this lake. It's like being in an apocalyptic city, dude, but you can't go into 90% of the buildings, and, oh, by the way, the story is a piece of shit, and you have to do endless fetch quests to get things to go places to do more shit you don't care about to hear about the bad story. Exactly. And uh, what was that first... Sorry, you made a, a statement like two statements ago. Um, breaking it down, city. Um, oh, the 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 change in dynamic. So when you first meet some of the characters, they're very tough and strong. But once you take control of their storyline, they become weak. What was that about? Like Preston again? I mean, he led the Minutemen. Why is he? Why is he like? I need your help. I need your help. Like, dude, where, where have you been the last 70 years? <laughs> like, you know. I mean, Preston's also written very poorly because no matter what you do, you can you can become a monster and support the Institute. And Preston's just like, hey, man, I really don't like what you're doing. I'm super mad at you, buddy. We can't be bros anymore. We're not going to cock dock. And then <clears throat> you walk outside. He's like, even in general... Sir, is a fine night out. Just back to the, like I said, the bullshit squawking dialogue. It's like, okay, so I guess our big plot point there didn't really amount to much, huh? Yeah, and this game could have been something. It could have been a contender, you know? (laughs) Like, this could have, it is, I had more fun watching people play this game and get frustrated with it than actually playing and getting frustrated myself. Like, it's very enjoyable. I don't know if you ever do that, Clark, but to look up some of the gaming videos for this and watch people play this for the first time and see their frustrations because it's like, yes, I'm not alone. I wasn't alone. This is something that we all agree on. It was horrible. <laughs> um, well, let's talk... Speaking of horrible, let's talk about mods because I know you have some thoughts on mods. So tell me about the mod experience that we were going to talk about earlier. So it never worked for me. Like, I could never get it to uh, do what I wanted to do. And I don't know if it was something wrong with how I executed the mods in, in my version. Um, but I just remember it making the game worse. Not worse. Um, but just, it. as a console gamer, I've been told through Reddit and all my friends that I'm the the peasants. I'm this guy who doesn't get it. I'm not going to have all this fun because I don't get the mods. Then I get the mods, and I'm like, 
I don't want these. <laughs> I don't want them <laughs> because they're making the game not as enjoyable, you know, and it's already not an enjoyable game. So I thought it was a uh, horrible execution of something that was done very well in past games and other games on the on the PC side. Um, but I think you're more the expert on the mod. So what what was your take on it? What was your I mean, they had this psychotic idea that they were going to run their own Bethesda Mods platform in there, and you couldn't, you weren't allowed to access any sort of, you couldn't change anything about the game without going through their platform and going through the review process. So there was no like open place like Nexus Mods for it. Yeah. Which was really frustrating until people figured out how to manipulate the setting, the INA, the configuration settings, so you could use mods, and then it was all good. Because you could fix a lot of the, the really stupid shit that everybody fucking hated about the game. You could adjust that somehow. I mean, one of the big mechanics letdowns for me was that they funneled you right into the power armor at the beginning. Whereas in every other game prior to that, it was something that you really had to earn. And you could complete the game without it. But if you took the time to earn it, it was really helpful. I mean, yeah. and they explain it kind of in, in, you know, your character was a veteran or something, so familiar with power armor can already work it. Okay, fine. Which, Whatever. by the way, takes but, a whole different viewpoint when you play as a woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, just saying, you know, 1950s stereotype. What is her story? Uh, she, you know, well, no, it's the same story as the man, just you're a woman now. Like, she, Oh, so still the military veteran. Yeah. Or it could be a military okay. bet, you know, and like, or she has these experiences in the past, you know, she had, she, she can recall all these things and she's worked on these things, which made no sense to me. Um, because, you know, like how would, how would a housewife in the fifties be able to do all this? You know, like, um, um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with hotel Wi-Fi, and so everything is, like, screwing up for some reason on my end here. I'm sorry. Let me just... Okay, so, so uh, no, I was wrong. She was a law school graduate. She was a smart person. That was her background. So it wasn't the fact that right. she experienced everything. It was that she was just smart. And it's like... I'm sorry. That's not how intelligence works. You just because you're the smart character doesn't mean that you also have the ability for mechanics. Like I consider myself very smart. I can't fix a car, and I know people who are very dumb book-wise who can fix a car. So that whole dynamic I didn't think really worked for Nora, uh, and which worked better as Nate, the retired army veteran, because that could make sense, you know? It's like he was both smart, and he worked on tanks, or he worked on planes, or he cleaned guns all day, you know? So there was a uh, nice dynamic between his his role. But Nora, you know, uh, she marries Nate, has Sean, has a law degree, <laughs> and cool. That's it. You're a lot of Which is simple enough. Well, I mean, yeah. 
that was that was it, it is kind like... of short shrift, but from a mechanics perspective, I think is it's more troubling there because it doesn't. It just if you can use the power armor at the beginning of the game have, for whatever reason you're smart enough to figure it out or you've had experience with it, whatever. If you can you if you can use it at the beginning of the game, it's different from having it put in front of you on a silver platter like. You kind of have to pick this up to go through the next area, so here you go. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of having it be something that you work towards, even though you already have the skill, you know, so what? You're a pre-war veteran who knew how to pilot power armor. Maybe it's really, really rare, so it doesn't fucking matter. You still have to scavenge for it. Instead, they just kind of yeah. give it to you, and it's like, here you go. We're so proud of the work we did on this in our last development sprint. Here you go. Yeah, and the whole yeah, the whole mechanic of buying of getting other suits and like taking parts of those suits like I I didn't want a complete power suit like I didn't want like to just be handed a complete power suit but so they had this dynamic of like well you're gonna repair it but it's like once you repaired it it just became trivial repairs over and over again you know it's not like it. Uh, you can unlock different things as you mastered certain aspects of it. Does that make sense? Like, you know, you couldn't right, manipulate it. Or maybe you could with the exactly. mods. Again, I, like I said, I had... Yeah. Like, I feel like if you... Like, a lawyer taking control of an armor unit would have a much different outcome using it than an ex-military veteran. You know, the ex-military veteran would try to take all the stuff off, sleek it down, make it into a killing machine. Whereas a lawyer would want protection and armor in a way to, like, make it the best it can be. But that just might be me. And maybe, because I don't have a law degree, I don't know what lawyers really are. Clark, why don't you fill in for me? Would you want a power armor to hold down the law? Or would you just shoot first, ask questions later, like the army veteran? I mean I don't really even see a difference to be honest with you I figure if you're smart enough to work out how to use it or you know how to use it because somebody taught you how then it's all the same to me I just don't like how so much of the game was predicated on like look at this like it's a cool new I can tell somebody with too much hair gel was like this is such a cool new experience no it fucking ain't like it's been since Fallout 1 that getting in power armor is like a thing you do as you progress towards it. Now it's just like, kind of like Call of Duty, like you've killed 10 people, you've reached the power armor, you've got one drone strike incoming. It doesn't, it doesn't do the game any favors, it doesn't do the story any favors to have such arbitrary, like, arbitrary things dropped in that you have to now churn more to operate. Like it's a, the power armor is a really expensive gun that uses rare ammo with those fusion cores that power it. You have to constantly fucking worry about like, oh, I gotta find another fusion core. I better go on a, a, a long hunt to look for a hundred thousand spare parts to make one or to trade for one. And it's just another thing that creates more churn. So it's like another time sink that they force you to get involved in at the beginning. It's fucking annoying to me personally. Yeah, no, um, sorry, I'm just looking up something real quick, because I remember, yeah, so this, both these games came out, uh, sorry, both these games, uh, Fallout 4 came out in 2015. 
Do you remember what big movie came out in 2015? What? That kind of coincides with the premise of Fallout 4. What movie came out in 2015 that kind of coincides with the premise of Fallout 4? No, I can't say I do. I'm just going to stop baiting you. Mad Max Fury Road. And my my feeling is is that they were going to create this file game for the masses because they kept doing this whole Mad Max thing. Like the first teaser showed your character with a shotgun and a dog. And I feel right. like they wanted Fallout 4 to be accessible to the masses and not just to the gamers. Kind of like how Fury Road was a little more accessible as a movie because than the original Mad Max movies were. Um, and whereas Mad Max did it correctly <laughs> and made a more attainable movie that was more uh, open to everybody enjoying it, Fallout 4, they were just like, we're going to do all these things. Well, why don't we do some of those things right? No, 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 we got to do all these things. <laughs> and that was the major downfall, I think. It was just like, how much stuff? And giving the power suit. It's like, well, let's give him the power suit at the very beginning because it's cool. No, let's let him earn it. Earning it is not cool. Let me have it now. You know? Like, I was like, that's not how we want this game to be. We want this game to be something that where I earn the power suit, that I, it's something I can fight for and go for and not just, here you go. Now go jetpack over Boston and go check out that submarine in the, in the bay. Or go right over there, blow up that thing. You know, like once I had the power suit, what am I leading towards? Oh, to kill my son, <laughs> like, or to find my son, or. I mean, I, I got to tell you now, Matt, that when it forces me when I replayed it to go through the institute thing, just speaking of killing your son with the power armor, it's exactly what I do now. Yeah. Because it's just so easy to run into him with the one of those stupid perks that knocks people over and then just shoot him. And it's just like, all right, I skipped a vast majority of the fucking bullshit funnel plot here, gotten straight to the end. (laughs) Do you know what I mean, though? That's the ultimate frustration with the game is that it it puts you into this position at the end. So it's like once you've already gotten tricked once, why would you even fucking bother to go through any of it again? Like the, the... just to know that you're going to have to churn through all of those endless side and fetch quests. Like, what's the, what? who fucking cares? Why would you do that? Yeah. Like, and that's why, like, you know, as we were talking about New Vegas, I kept telling you, I want to play this. I want to play this. And now we're talking about Fallout 4. It's just like, ugh, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> like, I don't, want, I don't want that. I don't want to see that again. I don't want anything to do with it again. And unfortunately, because I'm still a console player and I update my consoles, I have Fallout right. 4 sitting on my desk still. Like, I know where it is. I can tell you where it is in my room right now. And I can tell you right now, there's a thin layer of dust over the whole thing. It has not been touched. <laughs> I put it, I played it, put it back in the case, put it on my shelf, and there it stays. And it angers me. It angers me, Clark. Uh, but I mean, it really should anger you because the game was, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, <clears throat> it sold a lot of units, which I'm sure is great. 
but to me it's a it's a trend towards games now yeah go ahead sorry uh you just reminded me of something actually uh little little story here i have a cousin second removed somewhere down the family tree and when this game came out uh his mother who i know more because she's closer related to me than anyone else uh asked me could you help him because he just he wants to get into games and i said well he needs to get he needs to find a game he likes do you know what game he loves clark Fallout hmm. 4. He's never played wow. the other games, but he loves Fallout 4. And to this day, whenever we, whenever I, whenever I see him, I just, I shudder. I'm just like, you, you were the chosen demographic for this game. The, I've never played any of these games before. I've heard about them. I wanted to play them, but I didn't want to. I had football practice or wrestling or something. I didn't want to get involved, uh, and I didn't have a console or I, or I was a Game Boy guy because he was really big into Game Boys. Like he played Game Boy all the time. So his first console was the was for Fallout Four, and he loves that game. Still talks about how much fun he had with that game. So there is people out there who love this game. And I have no doubt. And it that's what makes me upset because I don't know what the future of this series is. I just hope this is not part of it. I hope this does not continue. Um, but with people like him loving it, we might <laughs> we might not be happy with the next one. Um, if there will be a next one, I. Not really kept up to date since four upset me so much. Um, I believe there's definitely going to be a next one. Um, you have to realize now that these are the people who have released Skyrim twice and are going to go for a third and probably fourth time with Skyrim Why? remastered and Everybody's HD by now. and VR Skyrim and then VR Fallout Four. So they are not unfamiliar with the concept of. Uh, reaching of taking the Michael Eisner method of making endless sequels. Right. From what I've been able to piece together, Fallout 5 might... Yeah, I'm reading it right now. Fallout 4 VR. Um, Fallout 4 is the most incredible thing you've ever seen in your life. You can't even imagine what it's like playing in VR and how realistic it works. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine. I did play it. I don't want to play it in VR because the game is still going to be awful. <laughs> Just because you add a new technology does not make the game better. <sighs> yeah. My objection is I want you to pay for it full price again, which is a little... If somebody's going to sell me literally the same game twice just with a different method for viewing it and controlling it, I really have to question what they're going to do yeah. with their sequel to it because it seems like what they've said so far is that, oh, it might be like in Detroit or, you know, the latest rumors that it's in New Orleans. And, you know, I think they're probably going to go with New Orleans because more people are familiar with that. And it's going it, it, to, to me, it mirrors kind of a reflection in other art because unlike Roger Ebert, I do consider video games to, in some cases to be art. 
that it's now like the have your cake and eat it and then order another one and then have another one and then another one. Like how Game of Thrones we were talking about has descended into fan service porn, like just things you want to see, like the bad guy getting his. Or the Transformers movies are just robots throwing things at each other for two to three hours. But it's what it's what the the people are willing to buy. So we better shove in as much New Orleans shit as possible. Like, oh look, it's a it's jazz band and it's a spooky swamp manor and it's a steam paddle boat. That's the direction I would assume they're going, and I'm just like, yeah. okay, well, based on your track record, <laughs> it's not going to be good. It, it's not, and I. Would you pay for a VR in New Vegas, though? Because I would. That'd be cool. Yes, I would pay I for that. a VR in New Vegas. I would pay for a VR Morrowind because they're the two games in their Bethesda's universes they have that have the most the most immersive qualities already, so why not enhance that with VR? I don't want to be immersed in the cycle to find more fucking cotton to make bullets or something. I'm just imagining like you know, seeing someone play this game and they're having the, the helmet on the helmet helmet, the mat the, the goggles. And they're like, oh, gotta pick this up. And they reach down, pick up something off their carpet. And, oh, gotta pick up this. And they reach down, pick it up. So, the one upside to a VR Fallout 4 game is you will have the greatest set of abdominal muscles ever. <laughs> if you actually, like, walk around and do it, like. <laughs> right, if that's the method they go with. But, I mean, the execution is, I'm sure, gonna be good because they're gonna put money behind it. But. It's just the idea that they would sell that as a new experience just just tells me that the things that we liked about Fallout, like 3 and New Vegas, that had some stories to them, I mean, the things that I loved most about New Vegas, I just don't see those factoring into like, hey, we got to put in some New Orleans shit quick, get some people some beads, or maybe beads are the currency down here. I don't know. I'm out of coke. Hold on. (laughs) Uh, no, I think you're right. And the the way I always look back on Vegas is like I can see myself be immersed. Like you've already mentioned this twice now, but I can see myself like when I imagine Vegas, I see myself be immersed in this whole world. When I see Fallout Four, I just see myself walking around as Nora, not Matt. I'm not Matt in Fallout Four. I'm just a hovering ghost over Nora, controlling her aspects. There is no immersion in my mind with Fallout 4. It's just a game. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fallout 3, I can see myself as a courier, you know, a little fatter courier, just running around, you know, doing my thing. <laughs> so, uh, but... Yeah, I guess that's what I like about that aspect, too, because even in Fallout 3, I never really felt like I was Liam Neeson's son or anything. I was just like, okay, so I, I got yeah. to do the quest now. And Wait, was that really Liam Neeson? Or was... Yeah, your dad's Liam Neeson. Huh. I was so, like, I, I just, I was kind of playing the motion of the ocean with that game that I just never really, hmm. That makes sense. Okay. 
if it's a kind of a thing they do because they had Patrick Stewart for 15 minutes. They had him on his lunch break well, yeah. when they did um, Oblivion. He was the emperor for like the first five minutes. They always seem to think they're going to sell a game with a big name. I mean, even Fallout New Vegas was like, we got a character voiced by Vin Diesel. <laughs> you know, like, they all think they're going to sell you something based on who's in it or who's voicing some shit. Well, I personally can't wait to play Fallout 5 starring The Rock. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I personally can't wait to play Fallout 5 either. This <laughs> podcast brought to you by Bethesda. Uh, but... But no, um, I mean, I would suggest that if you have the time, everybody should try to play Fallout 1 and 2. Maybe Fallout 2 if you just can't handle Fallout 1. Just just try it. If you don't like it, I understand why. You're probably born too late or something, or you just never like those kind of games. That's cool. Give Fallout 3 a chance. Play all the DLC. Play all the DLC for Fallout New Vegas. Fallout 4, Matt, do you think it's worth people even picking up? Like, what is the price threshold that would justify Fallout 4? Hmm. That. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to imagine someone listening to this. It's like, Clark and Matt are right. Let's go out and get three. So I'm playing through. Or no, let's say they download two, they play through it. Okay, we're playing through two. Playing through three, playing through New Vegas. You know what? There is no price level. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Enjoy. If you've never experienced the Fallout universe, if you are a virgin to this franchise, just leave four alone. Just don't touch it. Just just live in two, three in Vegas and the DLCs. Uh, don't be like us. <laughs> Don't become curmudgeons, <laughs> you know, uh, it, and count yourself lucky that you get to have that experience um, because that is that some of the best gaming you'll ever have is those games. And even if you don't like to, which is, again, I'm in that boat, but it's it's better than one and it should be played. And I feel like I'm going to play it. Again, just give it a no world. I'm older now. I, I think I can play it. I think I can. I think I can put away my transgressions against it. So, but yeah, to go back to your original question, if you've never played the games, just ignore four. Don't buy it. Don't even rent it. Or don't even borrow it. Just leave it Ooh. alone because you. Did I? Oh, that's this harsh. Is why you, you you come out of this, you come out of New Vegas, and you're just like, oh, the Sierra Madres and, and Mr. House and the Caesars, and, and now I'm excited. I want to play Fallout Four, and oh, like <laughs> like it's just just stay with what, just stay with the good stuff. Um, what's your take, Clark? I have a feeling you're gonna say something different. <laughs> My take is that if it's on sale on Steam Summer Sale or something, it's the Game of the Year edition or Steam whatever sale or good old games, wherever the fuck it is. If you can get the Game of the Year for like $9 or less, I'd say it's probably worth it if you're buying it for PC. In that case, you can 
mitigate a lot of the bad choices the developers made with mods. You can kind of flavor it to your preference. So it's all right, but it's certainly not worth yeah. 60 bucks on any fucking planet. Yeah. How, do you know how much it is right now on Steam? I wouldn't launch Steam, but that would just crash my my internet right now if I tried doing that. Yeah, Yeah. let me check what it is here. Let me see what the store is. Because like, now that I think about it, uh, maybe $5. $5 wouldn't be bad. <laughs> well, Matt, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be mad. What is it? So, if, um, let's see here. Holy fuck. So, if you, the game is $29. The season pass that gets you all the DLC is $50. So, really, it actually comes out to about the same price they charged. No, it's it's like ten dollars cheaper than they charged at release, plus the um, the first DLC, I think. So. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> okay, so Clark, it's, it's I retract my maybe for five dollars. No, no, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't touch it. Just don't go near it. Leave it alone. Leave <laughs> it alone. <laughs> um, and. But on that note, I'm really excited to see this thing you're gonna give me when I get back in town. Cause like it's, cause now I'm all giddy. Like, <laughs> uh, so we will. Matt, I want yeah. you to do something for me here. But but wait, uh, we can we can bring the show to yeah. a safe end here. I think and say that we're gonna be back. Uh, are you gonna, when are you gonna be back yeah, in town? Yeah, I'll be back. Be back I'm, this I'm, I'm flying back in Cincinnati on Thursday. So, um, and Sunday I'm free. Great. So you're going to be ready to talk about Transformers. <laughs> God, Clark, why do you do this to me? <laughs> First Fallout 4, now, okay. Yeah, actually I am ready. I am ready. Um, I watched, uh, I watched the first half. So <laughs> I'm going to watch the second half. Uh, uh, All right. You digest the second half of Transformers. I'm going to steal myself and get my three pages of questions printed out and highlighted for our in-depth Matrix discussion. Um, in the meantime, though, go out and pick up Fallout New Vegas or Fallout 3 if you can find them for a good price. Fallout 4 is going to be at your discretion, but it's a really great series of games, and it has, unfortunately, in Matt and my opinion, I think it's safe to say, kind of not as good as it used to be. So why don't you take a chance and re-experience and some of the classics in, of good science fiction gaming and good science fiction storytelling. If you have been around longer than I have in this podcast, Clark's right. If you feel like you can stomach a, a little Fallout 4, feel free to. But don't be paying the prices that they're saying. Like, uh, torrent it. Get it somehow. Don't don't spend too much money on it. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm just warning. Certainly, certainly, don't go to pcgamesdownload.net and look. <laughs> certainly, for it. certainly, do not go do there. That. If I would, I would, I would, I would heavens, heavens to be that you do you do that. Do not do that. <laughs> okay, Clark. Uh, well, thanks for letting me catch in on this, even though I'm, you know, down in America's wang. Um, in a nice little crevice of America. 
No problem, man. And I'm going to have you look something up for me before we, before we hang up on Skype. But I'll end the podcast now. I'll see you guys on Sunday. Transformers, uh, we're all going to die. Okay.